It's kill you with truth. Our rocket. Nate Jackson, Chad Brown. He's going to get you, Chad, every time. And well, hey, Chad, yeah. Chad, break down Nate's new backdrop as he broadcasts from his closet. Look at look what he's done to the place. Yes, he's taken that uh, Mama Jackson quilt and turned it into a bit of a <laughs> closet slash wardrobe cover there. Uh, I, I I appreciate the effort. It's pretty awesome, actually. It is uh, good. Yeah, so that's what's what's happened there in Nate's wife's extra closet. I think this is. Yeah, my yeah. favorite my favorite thing in that blanket is the the swimming whatever the swimming jersey is like right near like the Broncos and the Niners stuff. It's like it's, it's over the top. This is it's not it's called a swimming jersey. Uh, swimming it's called a, it's called a speedo, and that's what we used to wear speedos. And people would be like, you wear Speedos when you swim? And be like, yeah, do you wear a helmet when you play football? Do you wear a glove when you play baseball? That's part of the uniform, man. Did you I wear I mean? tights when I was Peter Pan? Exactly. Yes. Fuck yeah, I did, because that's what Peter Pan did. Right. Was it embarrassing when my babysitter caught me trying on those tights? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was. That sucked, by the way. I, I have not. First of all, having a babysitter in the sixth grade because my brother was in the fifth grade. That's what I like to say. We didn't need the babysitter. Babysitter wow. was unnecessary. All right. Agree. Okay. So let's just start there. And the reason we lost the granny babysitter was because my brother told her to fuck off. <laughs> but he was like 10. It was a riot. She wouldn't come back. We didn't need it. We lived at the end of a dead end street. Why my parents had a babysitter for us. And the babysitter was like the girl up the street. So I was like 11. She was 16. Like, but we would hang out together. But she was also my babysitter. And she caught me trying on the green tights because I was the lead in Peter Pan. It was, you're, I mean, you were Peter Pan. I was Peter Pan. That makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah, more and more things are making sense for sure. You still have those tights? Are you wearing them right now is what I'm wondering. How can you take them off? They're green and magical. (laughs) I'm going to tell you real quick about the Speedo. I was so into competitive swimming. I mean, I was so fucking into it that the night before a meet, I would sleep in my Speedo. Oh, nice. And so I could just wake up and and go. I, I didn't have to waste any time in the morning changing. I was ready to go. That's into it. What what was your event or events? I mean, when you're a kid, you swim it all. You know, I, I was butterfly freestyle with my fastest, you know, strokes. But I still have records, man, league records from the 80s that are still standing. I go wow. back to that pool and they're like, there's that guy is on, your, on the board. Nate your name's still your name's oh, yeah. still on a board. Many, many times, yeah. Well, I was a, I was cool. I was a legend in that in that little neighborhood. Swimming all right. Around. So why did you quit swimming? Because I fell in love with football, man. I wow. fell in love with football. I, I swam all the way through high school, but to be a an Olympian, Olympic swimmer, you have to swim year-round, uh, t- twice a day, every day, all year long. Yeah. And I wanted to play more sports. You know, I like team sports where there was a ball involved and you could go make a play. Swimming right. was just back and forth and back and forth, and I kind of got burned out with that. Hey, is it fair to say, as long as we're going down this rabbit hole, we'll get to see you and uh, mock drafts here in a little bit. But as long as we're going down this rabbit hole, is it fair to say, Chad, that the vast majority of NFL players were the best in their high school? Uh, I I would say definitely a vast majority. There's always going to be some guys who were late bloomers, but a vast majority of players have the same. Yes, they're a legend in their neighborhood, just as Nate was. Their records still stand. People walk into the gymnasium, they go, that's right. 
Nate Jackson went here. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm not even making fun of Nate. That's really the situation for almost NFL every no, NFL player. Their records on the wall. I agree. All right, that's an interesting one. Do you think most NFL players, Nate, have their name on a wall somewhere for either football or something else? Like they're yeah. just that good. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, or their picture or their jersey up in the high school. Right. Or, you know, um, I, I was an unusual case because I was a swimmer. There's not a lot of football players who are swimmers. And and to the point where I'm confident I'm the fastest swimmer in the history of the NFL. Um, <laughs> for sure. Um, it, but, um, you know, most football players, basketball, baseball, track, maybe wrestling, track, that kind yeah. of thing. And yeah, I mean, and weightlifting as well. You know, you have your names up on them like the. The weightlift totals up on weight room wall. I'm sure there's a lot of guys who have those up there, but yeah, man. I mean, this, these are the best of the best, and they were the best in their town, and they made it to the big leagues. So, is it fair to say then, if you're not one of the best of the best, that your odds of becoming a professional athlete are pretty slim? I think so. I think so. You, you got to stand out. You, 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 there's got to be a bit of a physical freak to you just to be able to meet the size and speed prerequisites. Mm -hmm. So if you meet those, then chances are you're enough of an athlete to be great at something else. So, yeah, I think a majority of NFL players, a majority of professional athletes um, were straight up ballers. But the, 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 the story of the late bloomer, um, I think it's far rarer, but it's definitely a thing. I mean, I would imagine Walter Jones, who I played with in Seattle, who's now in the NFL Hall of Fame, could have made the NFL Hall of Fame if he started, you know, playing football earlier. But he didn't play football until he was a junior in high school. Mm. Um, so the athleticism was was always there, but he was just a late bloomer. Didn't set records. Went to junior college, and then spent one year at Florida State. Got his his whole football playing thing together, and ended up being what the third or fifth pick in the draft or whatever it was. So there's 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 those guys, and there's the guys like more similar to Nate and I who. You know, I started playing when I was six years old. Started playing tackle football when I was nine, and uh, was typically one of, one of the better players on every single team that I was on, despite all my teams having other NFL future NFL players on them. That said, though, like the majority of NFL players, I forget a stat a couple of years ago in the first round, first round um, of the NFL draft, like thirty-one out of thirty-two players were multi-sport athletes in high school. It pays to be able to be adaptable, an adaptable athlete and be able to do a lot of different stuff. In my case, I came into the league as a receiver. I didn't play any special teams in college. I just caught passes. I get to the NFL. I have to play special teams. And then I get moved to tight end. So your adaptability, your athleticism, mm -hmm. your ability to do different skills is really important the higher up you go because you're going to be asked to do different shit. And if you can't adapt to that, then you know you're gonna get pigeonholed. I do one thing well, and when you find someone else who does that thing well, and then the others start to exploit your weaknesses because you don't you do it you don't do other things well, you're not a rounded out player, and you get cut. So I think multi sport athleticism is really important for kids. I think so too. I totally agree with you. The difference I think is that for guys who are destined to be pros, and it's few and far between when you grow up. I mean, I zero for me. I mean, literally zero of the kids that I grew up with became professional zero. My son has actually grown up with kids his own age who have been drafted. So in baseball, so it's like, well, you know, those guys are pros. We'll see how far they go in the pro world. And that being said, I think the trait that the pro athletes have in common is sports just comes so much easier to them than the average person. Meanwhile, I think a kid who just wants to maybe play in college, right? 
perhaps they need to dial it in a little bit, but their ceiling is going to be less. So it's an interesting thing to hear, well, play more sports, which I absolutely agree with. I just think the way you achieve greatness in those sports, the ease that is achieved probably reflects on your athleticism. So I do think it's a, a pinch easier for pro athletes to tell other kids, we'll play a bunch of different sports because it was easy for me. You know, it was easy to do. But some kids, they got to give it everything they possibly got, guys. Even just to be like a varsity athlete sometimes is a hell of an accomplishment, Chad. Yeah, I mean, I can only look at life through 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 my lens. I swam. I set records. I'm not still a legend in my swimming community back in Pasadena, but I swam. Uh, my football coach was a track coach. You had to do both. So I, I ran track. I played baseball. I played basketball. Um, you know, so at some point, there's probably not a, a traditional sport that I wasn't deeply invested in. Not all of them came easy for me. Baseball was definitely trickier. Um, if I connected, it was it was a home run damn near every time. Um, but my connection wow. percentage was pretty low. Uh, you played <laughs> softball with me. I, I, you would never say I'm some kind of great softball player or baseball player. That wasn't my thing. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of pushback on the ease of it all. I just happened to find the perfect sport for my skill set and my mentality. I was I was I was not great at all those things. I was great at football. Um, but everything else, I was uh, I was pretty good. I think that um, also kids should be able to play the sports they want and not get pushed into it by their parents and turned into these like, you know, year round athletes where they're just going to these specialized coaches and private coaches and club teams. And it's like the kids get burnt out. They don't enjoy it. Isn't sports sports supposed to be fun for the kids? Isn't isn't it supposed to be fun? And is it really fun when you're doing it every day, all year long? And your parents are more invested in it than you are. Like, I think there's that element to it as well. And I don't think for most professional athletes, they weren't pushed the same way that some of these kids are by their parents. It, it did come naturally to them. They were able to tinker and play different sports. And the kids now, they get burnt out. They, they learn to hate the sport, right? I'm sure you encountered that a lot, DMAC, with some of your uh, kids' yeah. parents. Uh, no, no doubt about it. And um, I'll never forget my older son was seven years old, and he, we're having a one-on-one -on -one soccer meeting with the uh, Colorado Storm, a youth <laughs> soccer organization. And I got this adult, this coach, telling me, like, hey, your son. He's good enough to play on the platinum level. And I'm like, hey, kid, platinum level, way to go. It's not, he's not the silver level, platinum level. Oh, what's that? Oh, well, we play indoors. We play spring. We travel in the, you know what I'm saying? It's now a write racket. me a check for $3,000 exactly. to get the thing started. Yeah. But here's the truth. Because sports for kids is set up like this, there are kids who are going to get better. They are. And it depends if you want to stay on that same level with those type of kids. It really is. And we learned that with my son in hockey. It was true. While, you know, he was a really good hockey player and a good skater, there were kids that were just taking it so much more serious at age 11 and 12 that if he really wanted to stay with those kids, he was going to have to do all that stuff. And that happened in every sport, happened in baseball. Now, my younger son wanted it, especially in baseball. But my younger son wrestled, played lacrosse, was a cross-country runner, did all sorts of stuff. But he wanted to, by the time he hit like 14, guys, I'm not joking. If he just wanted to keep pace with baseball, he really did have to kind of focus on one sport. And I didn't like it. He was great at a lot of sports. It was fun to play a lot of sports. And we definitely took breaks and had him play other sports. But there's a sad truth in the American society that we do have the specialization. If you don't keep up, and I know this sounds crazy, 
But if he didn't play fall baseball, he would be so far behind. And he is a college baseball player right now, but he's not a pro. And his friend, Harry Gustin, pitched one inning of high school baseball, and he got drafted by the San Diego Padres last spring because he's a lefty pitcher, six foot one with with nasty breaking stuff. But Harry didn't play any other sports either. He just focused on baseball. So I guess we're going down a weird wormhole here. What would you say then to parents with kids that are facing these type of dilemmas? And at what age do you have to say, well, forget it. I guess I got to focus on just one thing. I, I, I think soccer, baseball, and volleyball are the main club sports where the club experience supersedes the school experience. And to your point, I think that's incredibly tricky to decide, oh, I'm only going to play school baseball, soccer, or volleyball, and I'll do other things and think you're going to be included in this cycle because my daughter played club volleyball. And so we did all the travel stuff and, and paid the exorbitant fees and woke up at 4.45 on a Saturday morning and drove to Grand Junction and did all that stuff. Um, now, she could have gotten a scholarship. She was a scholarship-level volleyball player, but she wanted to go to a big school and have a big school experience. And luckily, Dad had enough money to be able to pay for that. Um, but there were all kinds of kids where she started that club experience who did whose bodies did not mature as, as hers did. So despite the effort, time, money that the parents invested, they never matured into a scholarship-level athlete. They were good club volleyball players, but they never became college volleyball players. So that is, there's no guarantee within that. So if this is the path you want to take and quote unquote, give your kid the best chance for success, um, even that's not a slam dunk. There's, you've got to recognize that there's a physical aspect that is out of your or your kid's control as far as size and speed and all those kind of things. So ah, football is an easy one to say you can play other sports because that's your yes, main sport. Is. The, right. The right. team, the, the the school team supersedes anything else that you do. The sports I just listed, basketball, volleyball, baseball, and soccer, unfortunately, that's not the case. You're going to get recruited off your AAU basketball team. The recruiters don't show up to the Mountain Vista volleyball game. Right. They show up to your club volleyball game. Right, right, so, right. Unfortunately, you got to be tailored for that task, and those sports in particular required you to do that club season in order to be noticed in 95% of the cases. My son did not get recruited originally off um, high school baseball, which he was a star over at Smoky Hill. He got recruited from his club baseball team. Guess when? In the fall, Nate, it's just the sad truth to it. That's just the way it is. And he, I always thought he was going to play football. I thought he was going to be one of these kids who never played football, small little cornerback sort of guy. I thought he'd been great. And I was looking forward to being like a football dad, like when he's 14, 15 playing football. And it just was like, Nate, it got ridiculous. I don't know if this helps, Nate, because you're a dad of a young kid. So uh, your your son's not playing sports yet, though, is he? No, nah, he, he he just turned four. But then it's starting to it's starting to happen. Like people it are really? starting, to, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm trying to pump the brakes on. I want him to be a kid and just mess around and you know not 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 feel like it's a serious endeavor because it's not. Tinker around, man. Go play outside. Climb trees. Jump fences. Skateboard. Throw rocks at people. Shit like that. You know, it's what kids are supposed to do. Uh, get a rock thrown back at you. Um, <clears throat> one time I was in high school cutting class. Uh, back back in the perk ponds behind the school that's where we'd go to cut class and uh, hang out and uh, me and my two friends were hanging out back there and these other three guys walked up and they're like who went to our school we didn't know them but they're like hey you guys want to have a rock fight (laughs) we're like uh sure 
So we stood on opposite sides of these perk ponds and threw rocks at each other. And uh, I was bending down to pick up a handful of rocks, and I lifted my head up, and I got hit right in the face right here with a big rock. Oh, I'm my like, God, ah! dude. I was like Braveheart trying to hit him. And I didn't. And I had to go back to class the next period <laughs> with a big old red mark on my face from getting hit by a rock. I think that's what kids are supposed to be doing, that kind of stuff. I didn't, I, My parents wouldn't let me play football until I got to high school. Right. So and I hadn't hit puberty yet. I was a freshman. I had not hit puberty. And so there I am out there against sophomores with mustaches who who've been playing since they were six years old tackle football. I was getting my ass kicked that first year. But I do believe that the cream eventually, like Chad says, yeah. rises to the top. And, and eventually the, the guys, the, the guys and girls who are best suited for these sports will take the lead, you know, because they'll get good coaching and they'll improve their skill set. And those who have been at it since they were seven years old may peak at 14 or 15. And is is that are you going to look back at your life and be happy that you spent your youth doing that? Listen, man, right on. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's something lost today. And I played three sports through high school. I also skied and I, I did running. I did all sorts of stuff. And I wasn't, you know, amazing at it. And I knew that's why I went to Syracuse instead of Boston University because, or Emerson, which I met the baseball coach and he said, sure, you can play on our team. It was really low level stuff. The guy just met me and was like, yeah, come on out. So um, I like the cut of your gym. Come on out. It was, dude, it was just like, it was comical. Um, but I, I just realized, well, listen, if I'm going to be a pro athlete, and this is a harsh reality and a good message for parents. If you're going to be a pro athlete, your kid's going to be extraordinary at something compared to the other kids naturally. Naturally. He's just going to be far better at something. And if your kid isn't like that, then, you know, have fun with it. Have a lot of fun with it and enjoy the journey. That would be my advice to you, Nate, as a sport parent coming up. And I think Chad would probably say the same thing because we both coached our kids and both of our kids um, went through all of that. I think you, I think you and your wife, Nate, have the right idea. I do. Chad, I just I certainly just uh, agree. Yeah, um, some kind of youth sports professional track is just an absurd notion to to itself. Uh, so yeah, make it fun, give them as well rounded of an experience as possible, and then let's not forget that to your point, Nate, it's supposed to be fun yeah. to go to the park and just play as kids. And do whatever you want without some kind of parent giving you a drill and telling you how to do it. That's what kids, that's where my, I think my greatest joy from sports came from. It wasn't that practice with my dad as much as, as much fun as that was. Is when I went to the park with my friends and we spent six hours just being kids. And I could emulate Daryl Dawkins and Dr. J and Magic Johnson. It wasn't somebody telling me to tuck my elbow when I was doing my three-point shot. All that stuff felt ridiculous. I could just go and play and that's, I mean, it literally, and it panned out for a crazy amount of my neighborhood, how many professional athletes who I grew up with, who we just went to the park and played together. Yeah, I know we're, this is like us advising Nate, which is so unnecessary. Nate's obviously going to figure it out. But I do laugh a little bit when the parents, you know, their kids do something athletic and they get on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And like, hey, look at my kid. He did something athletic. It's right. like, hey, Yay. But, you know, you might want to chill out on that stuff, too. How about oh, yeah. the least amount of pressure on kids as possible? And, guys, it's one of the biggest reasons why I'm so anti-Little League on TV by ESPN. Mm. And I was in that world. And I did train a team that could have been in that circumstance. And it was it was heartbreaking to realize two years into this project, 
how corrupt the system actually was. And I just pulled the plug at the last minute. Well, I had the parents vote. We had to make a choice between one thing or another. And we chose the other thing. And the other thing wasn't on TV, but it was way more fun. It was our whole team going to Park City, Utah, where we lost more than we won. But we had a blast. We had a lot of fun rather than the more corrupt path. So do they pay I, those teams at all? The kids that like, no, does anyone get money? Who makes no, money on it? Just ESPN? Correct. It's wow. one of the most that they give the kids a bunch of free stuff, like, but they get like free, travel and stuff. Uh, no, you got to pay for that. Wow. Uh, you, 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 you end up in like barracks. It's not even like a nice hotel. It's Williamsport. It's in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. They give you like a bag of stuff. Like you get uniforms and clothes and bats, you get free bats, but you get free bats because the bat company is pumping their bats. So all those kids, have you ever noticed that the World Series are all using kind of the same bat? It's because that's the bat they're required to use because it's all paid for. Trust me, if you dig down into the corruption of the Little League World Series on ABC and ESPN, you'll you'll want to throw up when you realize what it's all about. And the degree that adults cheat. You remember Monet uh, Lewis, the, the uh, African-American girl baseball pitcher, right? In the Little League World Series. Great story, right? And I'm all for girls playing baseball and that whole thing. She was 28 years old. <laughs> no, she wasn't 28. But they were a travel team, just like you were talking about. They did not have a little league. The coach of the travel team created his own little league, his own district, so his team could win the tournament so they could advance. So wow. they were already, so he drew the boundaries for where their little league existed. He did that. He did all the paperwork. He didn't break any rules. Unfortunately, the Jackie Robinson Little League, that famous team for Chicago, they broke ridiculous amount of rules. They were one of the most cheatingest American champion Little League teams of all time. But they were such a great story. But nobody understood what the rules were in the first place, guys. So while you don't want to, it certainly was a great story. But you realize because they were a group of all-stars, not from a neighborhood, they were beating teams like 42 to nothing. I mean, they were clown hammering teams, but there is a place for that in baseball. It's called club, Chad and Nate. Yep. It already exists. So go ahead and just Jackie Robinson Little League, go play club, go do that. There's tournaments out there for you. It's just not on TV and TV corrupts all. And when you're a parent, make sure your kid's not being corrupted by something that they don't need. They don't need it. And we shouldn't be putting 12-year-olds on television, frankly, for anything, in my opinion. I was going to talk about CU and Deion Sanders, but I think we've run out of time. We can do that oh. quick. Oh, you want to? I'd be happy to if you got I time. We can do it for 10 or 15 minutes, maybe you know, three or four. I saw Deion Sanders with Deion Sanders Jr. saying why he, um, what was it? Uh, there was nothing wrong with what he did, and we've allowed this to happen all the time. It was Dion going on the defense about um, Zoolander and his kids. Mm. What's your take on that? Yeah, I guess uh, real quick, I mean, you know, we've talked about the people coming at us on Twitter about it. And, like, you know, people tell me to do my research before I open my mouth because, you know, the rest of the team was doing – work on MLK day. And then these guys had a pass and they didn't miss anything real because it was not a mandatory team. Meet. And, and that, that didn't change my mind on it. I mean, clearly there's a separation between, you know, his, his kids and the rest of the team, they get favoritism and, and it's about, you know, 
the off the field stuff. And I don't think that that's going to be conducive to building a powerhouse football team. Isn't that what you're trying to do? Build a powerhouse football team, a team that beats everybody else, a team that's dominant, a team that um, pumps out pro prospects and establishes something here that's special and a connection between the quarterback and the rest of the team that is special. I think that's what you're trying to do here. And in my opinion, uh, that's not the way to do it. Um, and so my, my thoughts haven't changed on that. Um, and, and yeah, that's it. Uh, Chad, let me describe the video. It's Deion Sanders Jr. filming Sh uh, Shador holding a FaceTime with Shiloh with his dad, uh, Deion, uh, all in Deion's office talking about why what they did wasn't a bad thing and everybody's just a hater. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. Like, you know, when... All right, let me just ask this question to both of you. I'll start with Chad. Are the, are the are Is the Sanders family the Kardashians? <laughs> They're trying to be. And, you know, if if you measure your success by eyeballs and dollars, well, they've got both. Yes. Uh, they're not at the same level as the Kardashians. But as we talked about before, when this subject came up, it's about winning. And so uh, let's go to Michigan. Just won a national championship, right? Michigan players decided to forego going in the draft to come back one more year to do something special. They sacrificed their own self for the team. They turned down money. They turned down a year in the NFL. They turned down all those things to do and achieve something special. And ultimately, to win and to actually be great on that kind of level, it requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice of self. On my championship teams, I didn't get everything I wanted. I had to sacrifice things my own personal to my own personal benefit so the team could be successful. Well, it was high school championships, a championship at CU, uh, that all those require tremendous sacrifice. So uh, I, I think the disconnect here is a bit shocking. And to try to spin it to guys like us who can see through it versus the, the sycophants who are just going to love and approve everything the whole Sanders family does, uh, I think it speaks to their, their ego and their hubris that they can pull the wool over on our eyes and, and tell me it's okay. And I'm going to go, yeah, I think that's okay. okay. No, right. it's not. Cool. Well, there's this thing that we've that we've seen online is that hey, this is this the way that college football is now. This is how kids are. This is what right. they like. This is what right. they want. This right. is how you are going to attract young talent because this is the thing they want to be involved in. And um, you know, I, I continue to disagree with that idea. I think there's some folks who want to win football games. There's some folks who want to make money and uh, and create a high public profile. And and I think that for those who want just want to make money and be on camera and increase their likes and their followers. This is good stuff. This is really good shit. Shut up, old white man. You know, um, this is how it's done now. But for those who want to win football games and know what it's like on a football team to bring a team together and how difficult it is to do something special as a football team, this doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think there's just a disconnect there. And the Internet is where that goal completely widens and we get attacked for it by people who don't understand football. You know, rubber meets the road August 31st. I'm, I saw the point spread for the first time. North Dakota State is favored by eight and a half points at Folsom. Just wow. saying. That's there's, a how the there's a spread already. It's freaking January. Let me show That's it to hilarious. you right there. That's hilarious. I'll see you, uh, North Dakota. I don't know if you can see that, but it's North Dakota State by eight and a half. Wow. <laughs> Guys. We'll see, right? We'll see. All right. The question is, did the, did the line move at all uh, when Zoolander went to Paris? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Who knows? But you got plenty of time to get ready for those bison. 
Um, and hey, North Dakota State is no joke as a one double A team, right? I mean, they are no joke. That they program are, is no joke. They no, done. no joke. And they're eight and a half point favorites at Folsom to start the season August 31st. And on that note, we'll uh bid you adieu as we kill you at turn. Yikes, throw a rock at my head. <laughs>